Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about Scottish food and drink. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and every fortnight I'll be chatting to some of the best-known names, artisan producers and brewers and distillers in this diverse industry. From master blenders to local pub owners and celebrated chefs, Scran is your ultimate guide to eating and drinking your way around Scotland. In this episode, I'll be finding out about how bars and restaurants are planning to open their doors to customers again, after the Scottish Government announced that hospitality could open indoors from July the 15th, if health guidelines are respected. Coming up, I chat to head chef at restaurant Andrew Fairley, Stevie McLaughlin, about how Scotland's only two Michelin star restaurant plans to reopen with the new government guidelines in place. I mean, we spent a lot of time you know, walking and talking and planning and thinking and discussing and looking at different scenarios so that when we came back to work, we actually had a plan in place. And then it was a case of getting that down with our seniors, um, our assistant managers, and then getting it down in document, putting it into practice, bringing the team back, and then good training. The Glasgow editor, Paul Trainer and I catch up over some Spanish tapas, and I hear his thoughts on the Glasgow food and drink scene opening up again. It's really interesting. A lot of the, the restaurant folk that I've talked to, they've said that obviously they've been sitting around for four months, right? So they, they've had a pretty much once-in-a-career opportunity to stop, look at their business, try and work out how it works, how to make it work better, and just try and improve on things, I suppose. And a lot of people are coming back at this and they kind of feel like they're, they're launching a restaurant for the first time. I also speak to the owner of popular bars, St Luke's and the Wing Docks and the Amsterdam, Michael Woods, about his plans to reopen inside and how the alfresco drink scene has gone. Oh, just hearing people in the pub, basically, hearing people laugh, joke, somebody talk to my customers, basically, you know, you really miss actually interacting with them. Nick Nairn is back on hand to give us his cooking tips. This time, it's how to make a loaf of bread, which I'm sure many of us have tried during lockdown. The more water you've got, the better the bread's going to be, but more difficult it'll be to, to knead. They sift the flour, make a well in the centre. And finally, I discuss my lockdown food favourites and how to make a favourite drink at home. So highball can be quite a long glass, but I'm going for a short glass because they look the nicest in this household. Welcome back to Scran. As it's now mid-July, it has been a breakthrough week for hospitality. As I've previously mentioned, bars and restaurants can now open indoors. Of course, service will be different with things like social distancing in place, seated service, staff and PPE equipment, among other health guidelines. It's been a time of uncertainty for this industry and although starting back is a relief for many businesses, it still sparks questions about how this industry can operate as well as it did before. Naturally, I wanted to hear from those working in the hospitality and food and drink industry about how they're coping with these new changes. So I went straight to the top and spoke to restaurant Andrew Fairley's head chef, Stevie McLaughlin, about the planning process for reopening, what procedures have been put in place and what's on the menu at the Michelin starred restaurant. He also reminisces about the glory days of One Devonshire Gardens. How, well, first of all, how have you got on in lockdown? Was that a bit weird for you? Hi, lockdown was, uh, well, it started quick, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started quick and I'll be honest, got quite quickly into it at home as well. Um, I mean, it, it was the first, it was, it was strange. It was almost like a, 
almost like a holiday in a, in a, in a bizarre way. Mm-hmm. Really aware that the staff were safe and where they wanted and where they needed to be. Um, the restaurant was safely closed and we were just really kind of listening to what was the next instruction. So the first week, for me personally, the first week for me in my house was it's almost like a bit of a party, party week, to be honest. We had nice teas, we drank well. And then it, and, it, and then that kind of rolled into Easter holiday, so the kids were off as well, which was brilliant. And then it just, it just took, my, it took, took my wife to kind of go, here, hold on a second, mate, you're, you're not on a holiday. <laughs> we're here for a reason. And I kind of went, uh, yeah, you're right, okay. And then we quickly, quickly got into, I think we had maybe, we maybe three or four different routines throughout lockdown. We kind of rolled into different stages of lockdown, I suppose, you know. And the first one was very much batting down the hatches, we had no idea what was coming. We knew why we were there. And well, I think, I suppose, around the house, we were a wee bit nervous. We didn't know what was coming or, or what was happening. I know, I mean, Boris had uh, gone into intensive care and lockdown was actually in. Mm-hmm. It's when I remember. I remember one night looking out, this, looking down the street late on and looking and thinking, I'm like, okay, where's this going to go? I'd get this, I'd get this invisible invisible warrior potentially coming around the corner. And I remember looking at all the neighbours' houses and thinking, this is going to affect somebody I know. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of dawned on me a couple of weeks into it. But then, you know, you have a plan as a whole and also as an employer as well. You get a, pl- you get a plan for your staff as well. We kept in good contact with the staff, making sure that they were comfortable, they understood what was going on, and actually as well to let them know that it's okay to enjoy yourself. You know, you don't feel you have to be camped under the stairs. It's okay to enjoy yourself as long as you understand what's going on, you respect the situation. Have fun, guys. Enjoy yourself. Eat well, drink well, do some research, do some homework. The weather was fantastic. Get some, you know, if, if you get the opportunity, get some get some sun in your skin. Because as chefs, as waiters, we don't necessarily do that because our working day is indoors when the sun's out. Yeah, and full on. Yeah, yeah. And there's a chance, there's a chance, a chance to take, as well, a chance to take your foot off the gas as well, you know, so to speak. Yeah, and um, so you guys are you opening on the fifteenth? Yeah, we're plan? back at it. Yeah, we're back at it on the fifteenth. What we've done is brought, um, we brought the team back um, a week early. So we were in last week the eighth. It's when the team came back, um, basically to retrain and get a risk assessment in play that we could all have full access to, understand, ask questions, and just going to start to put that in play. Um, really, really important that the staff safety, staff well, welfare is high on the agenda and also customer welfare as well. It's really, really good. Good, good understanding of where we are for everybody. Good, under, you know, good understanding for the customers coming in, safety and confidence. For everybody that, you know, they're coming to restaurant Andy Fairly and they, what they're looking at is you, you're going to get undoubtedly a restaurant Fairly experience. You know, the most important thing, one of the most important things is that the forefront of our thinking is, you know, to make sure that people are coming in and getting a restaurant Andy Fairly experience because undoubtedly there will be changes in service and slight approaches to service are now a little bit different but what people leave with is wow that was brilliant yeah that's what I was going to ask because obviously your um Scotland's only two Michelin star restaurants so there's like an expectation there of how things might be does that go hand in hand with the restrictions like what can customers expect in terms of the plans you have in place for social distancing or PPE or that kind of thing yeah so I mean the restaurant we've reduced our capacity we've removed tables um, to ensure the guests are distanced from each other and the quality of the service isn't, you know, it's it's not going to change on the back of that as well. But the, but we've been fortunate that we're able to take tables out without the restaurant. I mean, the restaurant looks as full as it will be when every single table's here. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, so the opulence is there, this, you know, and the effort of the team is there as well. And um, have you got bookings like for opening or is it, is yeah. it open to book? Yeah. 
Aye. So, I mean, we were, I mean, like pre-lockdown, we were, I mean, we we class ourselves, what we are is a 50-cover restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we can actually now do, depending on table configuration, we can do just over 40 covers. Well, that's not too bad. It's excellent. It's very, very good. It's very, very good. I mean, there was, you know, we've always remained, as we always do, remain really, really positive in our approach to what we do and how we do it. And the fact that we're able to take a couple of tables out, it's to our benefit as well, you know. It's to our benefit and it's to the customer's benefit. So our customers are, I mean, they're two metres apart easily, no problem at all. But they won't feel as if they're sitting in a half-full restaurant. The restaurant's almost full, you know. Mm-hmm. It actually is. By taking tables out, the restaurant is actually almost full. It's great. Kitchen-wise as well, you know, there's, I mean, there's a couple of changes to the way we work in the kitchen. The quality of the produce, the people we're working with, hasn't changed. It won't change. But then just a couple of little procedures that we've introduced, you know, the fridge and the freezer, for example, is now one person in at a time. And there's a one-in, one-out system, which is, that's now a rule in the kitchen. And there's an area, there's a narrow area that we could quite easily skip past in the beginning of March. But now there's actually one person works in that area. and Nobody else goes through there, and you know, it would be two meters marked out on the kitchen floor. Everybody's really, everybody's very aware of why, and everybody, and you know, if you do have to pass, kitchen rule now is we pass, you know, we pass each other back to back swiftly. That's what we do. And in, in terms of a kitchen, it can get quite warm as well. Is that any kind of um, consideration for this type of thing, or is it just sort of, you know, keep your hands clean and, you know, keep away from each other? No, I mean, keep away from each other as best we can. Yeah. Every hour, every hour we stop what we're doing, we hit the pause button for 90 seconds, let's say, and then we, you know, we sanitise our working areas. Everybody sanitises their working areas and then everybody washes their hands. And then in between that, in between the every hour moment, um, there's alcohol, hand sanitizers available for everybody as well. So it's about keeping good, good hand washing, good training, good communication is key um, across the board. But again, you know, our, you know, we already had a great, we had very, very good hygiene standards in place. So all, all it is is just a little bit of refinement on that and just a little twist on our routines rather than a whole new start. So we're not starting from scratch and panicking. It's actually all we're doing is just keeping an eye on what we're doing and sharpening up what we already did. And in terms of staff, is um, is everybody able to come back despite the very slightly reduced capacity in the restaurant? I mean, what we did was we kept, yeah, we kept everybody on over lockdown and we had made that decision pre-lockdown to do that. Um, we didn't want to lose anybody. We wanted to come back as good as we closed. We wanted to come back to the exact same restaurant. We didn't want to change anything. There's always going to be a little bit of knowledge. We had one person who was working their notice, which was fine, with six months' notice from one of our chefs. Plus, also a couple of the youngsters wanted to return home. So, again, through good communication, one of them wanted to return to Malta and another one from north of Scotland. So, one kitchen and one front of the house haven't come back but that's you know but that's not denting anything at all that we do so our numbers chef wise and our numbers front of house wise are very good but it's where we want to be and I mean you said you've you've come back early to do training and, and planning and things have you found that whole process quite not easy but has it not been difficult to take staff off furlough and plan for this has it been quite a seamless sort of way forward because I mean it's been um, very straightforward because of the way that we operate we do so much open and honest in what we do. Nothing is ever knee jerk in restaurant Andrew Fair and it never has been. It's always everything everything we do is considered. Mm-hmm. Whether it's how the menu feels, how the room smells, you know, what the uniforms look like, what the you know, what the butter tastes like. Everything we do is considered 
you know, via panel, you know, there's not one person saying this is how we're going to do it and follow me. Everything's it's a very egalitarian, it's very fair, it's very organised and self-disciplined. Towards the end of lockdown, when we knew we were coming back to work, Dale, who's a general manager, myself, I mean, we spent a lot of time, you know, walking and talking and planning and thinking and discussing and looking at different scenarios so that when we came back to work, we actually had a plan in place. And then it was a case of getting that down with our seniors um, our assistant managers and then getting it down in document, putting it into practice, bringing the team back and then good training from there on. And then that just and that just naturally distills through the through the ranks to the to the workflow. And um, the government has reduced fat on food and drink um, but not alcohol. Do you think this is something that might benefit the restaurant at all? I'm not sure. I hope it will. <laughs> I hope any change I hope I, I, I hope I hope any changes that have been put in would benefit the restaurant. And also it's it is a as I've said, like fine dining establishment, obviously it's, you know, you've got bookings and it's one of those experiential things and hope, you know, obviously it doesn't sound like it's going to impact, you know, how you can go some places now and think, oh, is it going to be weird? And it might be a bit weird. Yeah. It's obviously, it doesn't sound like it's going to be there, but is there a chance for you guys at all to use any of the grounds at Glen Eagles? Because it's quite a, got a big, quite, law, quite a big lawn and stuff. So I didn't know if you would maybe have the option to go outside or whether you're just going to... Outdoor dining, no. We're, I mean, we're, listen, we're not... We don't need to. We've got plenty of space here. We can do. We can cater for forty plus covers. We don't need to take anything outside. And um, that's 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 the hotel's domain. If they, you know, if they want to do outdoor barbecue stations, or if they want to do something, you know, kind of summer themed or, or garden party themed, then it's the perfect environment for the hotel to do that. What we are, I mean, we're you know we're one service a night. We're dinner only operation. The restaurant, the menu, the styles geared for intimate indoor dining probably no 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 inkling hasn't even crossed their mind to do anything outside and um, do you reckon that the way things are right now do you think that could affect like the Michelin inspectors going forward because you know obviously they usually go out and about and um, come to the restaurants and you know make their decision on whether or not people are getting to keep their stars do you think that that might be on pause or do you reckon that they'll just carry on and it will happen as normal no I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll carry on exactly Exactly as it was, you know, you could have had we we could have had an expect an, an inspection on the tenth of March. The you know they're completely incognito. We do not know when they're coming. And again, you know, on Wednesday, first person through the door could be a Michelin inspector. God, imagine that. <laughs> but that's you know, but that's part of the world that we live in. You know, every single customer needs to be looked after in the same way as anybody. Nobody, you know, there's no special treatment for anybody. Mm-hmm. So it's you know you need to be every single not. Not every single person, every single plate needs to be right out the top drawer every single time. And that's something that we've always, always, always done for, you know, coming on 20 years now. It's, it's never going to change. But Michelin will be back. You know, they're, you know, they're, you know, they're back at work. We've got a very good relationship with Michelin. Um, communications are good. You know, they've been in touch to see what our plans were for coming back and if any, if, if it would impact at all hugely, marginally. They will do that with every restaurant, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just, more than anything, it's just really, really exciting to be back doing what we love doing, doing it with the people we love doing it with, doing it with the team. I had a moment on, we had a classroom situation in the restaurant where we had the whole team and we were going through a COVID procedure, but then the following day was the first day I was in the lights for three months plus. And there was a moment quite early on in the morning when I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm looking about. It's quite an emotional thing, you know, to be standing and looking at your at your friends, at your colleagues, and going, I've missed being in my uniform. I've missed standing here. I've missed all of you guys so much. It's such a 
genuinely such a thrill to be back in the middle of the kitchen, looking at everybody and physically in great condition, mentally in great condition, and never be ready to rock. Yeah, because as much as it's been sort of in a way nice to have a wee bit of a break, you do kind of think, well, it's been like four months. Yeah, it's a long time. It's I mean, and, you know, and, and it brought to the stage where chatting with the guys on Zoom or or phone calls. Then they're asking you when we come back. You could feel that we're champing about to come back. We didn't have any information for them. We didn't want to try and guess, but it could be. We just waited until we were told, okay, Scottish restaurants can open on the 15th. Brilliant. That was like a dancer. So then you can actually start getting yourself match fit again. Because what we do in Jack, we close in January for the whole month. So this, so the way we closed and the way we opened is not dissimilar to what we would do in January and then go into February. So we, we close for the whole month. In February, there's lots of maintenance done. There's lots of deep cleaning done. The team are all away. They've just received their December wage. They've received their six monthly tips. So everybody's got a fistful of dollars. And then they go their, you know, they go their annual holidays. And that's when our team gets annual holidays. And there's, you know, the team are all over the place. Some are traveling Scotland, some are in Brazil, some are in Scandinavia, some are going Australia, Thailand. It's, it's brilliant. So the way we closed and the way we op- opened was quite similar. But what happened in between was very different. Everybody was locked down. Yeah. And um, in terms of um, the restaurant, um, obviously, like last year, Andrew fairly passed away. Um, and how important is it to you just to sort of carry on his legacy? I, I don't imagine that you're going to have any big drastic changes in the restaurant. Are you just quite happy to carry on doing what you've always done with the quality and what you know the fine dining experience that people expect? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, what is I mean, what is the shining light is Andrew's legacy. That's I mean, I, listen, I don't know if you know my history. I worked with Andrew for twenty six years. I worked with Andrew for a long time. Dale's worked with Andrew for 20 years, you know. So, I mean, what, what, what restaurant Andrew Fairley is, is ingrained in both of us, you know, and we're leading our teams and we are, you know, and we're showing, you know, we're showing the Andrew Fairley way. We're, you know, we're carrying the flag and uh, it's our job to maintain the legacy. Quality will never change. We're not, you know, we buy the best ingredients that we can get our hands on and we don't do too much to it. Quality and the consistency of what we do will remain. What we want to do is year on year become a better restaurant. And if that's introducing a new brilliant product or if it is, you know, changing changing the music, if it's introducing a different uniform, if it's maybe a couple of new main course plates, that's, I mean, that's how we evolve and develop. We are not running at this. It's a very, it's a very natural, very organic, it's a very angry feeling we are working. It was the one Devonshire Gardens you guys were at, wasn't it? Yeah. It was literally yeah. two two minutes down the road from me here. <laughs> where are you? Are you in the West End? Yeah, if I hang out my window, I'm in a block of flats near it. If I hang out my window, I can see it, which is fun when famous people used to stay there. <laughs> yep. No, that, listen, that's why I, that's one of the reasons why I ended up at one Devonshire Gardens, because I knew that's where Pavarotti was. I knew that's where Madonna, the Spice Girls, and I thought, wow, I, I want to work there. That must be the best place. Yeah. That must be the best place in Glasgow. I want to work there. And I passed, I passed one Devonshire Gardens every day to and from college. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was the best place, and then you kind of, you know, you see Pavarotti and Michael yeah. Jackson getting shipped, and you think, wow, that's that, that that's where I want to work. No idea what the food was, no idea who the head chef was, but that's the best place I want to work there. Yeah, it was it was funny. I remember take that or Robbie Williams one year and being like, oh my god. <laughs> um, it, so yeah, just quickly one last question: what's um what's on the menu? So what can people expect when they when they show up for dinner on Wednesday? Wednesday we've got well our signature dish um, we get the home smoked. Scottish lobster, um, warm lime and herb butter. We've got some beautiful, I've got some secret garden produce. So we've got some, uh, you know, we've got summer beetroots, we've got herbs. You're going to see wild strawberries, Perthshire berries, beautiful borders, wild rhodia. 
as well and Scottish rules. When I say we buy the best we can, it is without a word of a lie so much of it's Scottish. Yeah. Um, and access, you know, we got a secret garden as well, which we grow. At this time of the year, typically you would see 95% of the vegetables and herbs that we serve would be coming from our secret garden. But unfortunately, lockdown was there, so the garden was on pause. But the way that the garden had been set up at the end of March was that at this time of year, we would, so we, we've been growing vegetables that are not labour intensive. So basic, basic maintenance could get us to a place now where we can open with the uh, summer chard. Um, sweet beetroots, choggier beetroots, wild strawberries, beautiful herbs. Sounds good. Well, um, I actually yeah. spent my birthday a couple of years ago at the Secret Garden. It's lovely. Did you? Yeah, it was a press thing, but it was also my birthday. So I was like, I'm just going to go and take the excuse to have afternoon tea and some champagne. And <laughs> wow. Yeah, who, it was, who, was, who was all down that day? Um, it was me. There was, um, you know, Flora, who was on the Bake Off. He's got the bakery up in Dunkeld. Yes. She was there with her mum. It was me um, and my partner and there was Kate Devine was there, I'm sure, and her husband. And I think there was maybe only a couple other people. It was like a small trip. um, And it was like, it was the launch of the Secret Garden afternoon tea um, a couple of years ago. And it was lovely. It chucked it down all day, but it was still really nice. Nice to see it. Yeah, typical. It's the garden afternoon tea and it's chucking it down from the heavens. Yeah. So you would have met Jo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. She's fabulous. Yeah, really, really interesting. She's an absolute, she's an absolute star. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you still have like a relative amount of input in the garden or does she kind of just do her thing and you take the No, produce? no, I mean, it's not, no, again, everything's done, everything's done as a team. And I mean, like, we're in, we're, I mean, we're in our seventh year of growing for the, for the kitchen now, you know, and Joe's, Joe's a kitchen gardener. That's what she does. She grows food for chefs. That's what she does, you know, so we have I been mean, blessed. It was really fortunate and kind of karma call it what you want just at the time and when we were looking for a gardener and Joe was looking for a job Joe's you know Joe was the lead gardener in charge of vegetables at Le Manoir at the time you know so Joe now almost almost into year seven we really tailored what we grow for us so we'll have so we'll be having conversations just now for what we want produce wise next year oh, wow. as a chef I know what we can and can't have I know what works the first couple of years, we went hell for leather and we grew 10 varieties of tomatoes. Wow. Which, when you hear that, you think, well, that's amazing, that's brilliant. But then, you know, after a point, we actually said, you know, these tomatoes, we don't love them. They don't really work for us. It's a pain in the ass for Joe to grow and maintain. And crucially, Joe doesn't really like tomatoes anyway, so she's got no love for these bloody things. So we don't grow tomatoes now. And then they replaced the space with, you know, extended uh, you know, extended day uh, growings for various basils, um, different soft herb as cresses. So, it's, so it's all, I mean, as a restaurant, it's always it's always just gently unfolding in little areas, giving us access to things that we've never, that we've never had before. But what we like, what we like to do with our vegetables and herbs and cresses is, it's, I mean, it's I mean, it's um, heritage varieties. It's true baby vegetables, and it's you know, uh, so much of it is things you cannot buy. It's simply vegetables that are unique to us. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably everything. But thank you very much for your time. That's okay. No worries at all. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very great much. To, great to talk to you, Rosalind. No, no worries at all. We'll speak to you soon. Speak to you later. Okay, bye. Cheers, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That was a really interesting conversation with Stevie and it's great to hear that customers can still expect outstanding service at restaurant Andrew Fairley. Plus, it's nice to hear his thoughts on how he's carrying on Andrew's legacy. Next up, I speak to Glasgow's editor, Paul Shainer. This interview was actually recorded in person for the first time in what feels like about five years. 
It was so nice to see a guest face to face. We caught up at the newly opened Cranside Kitchen in Finiston in Glasgow for some Spanish tapas courtesy of Rioja, which is a small Spanish restaurant that we'd not normally be able to open at this time. For anyone who doesn't know, the Glasgowist is a site dedicated to Glasgow where, amongst other things, you can get lots of food and drink news. Paul is the editor there and is a good friend of mine. He's also spent the last few months chatting to producers and business owners in the city about what's been happening. So we're finally out and about. We are at Cranside Kitchen uh, in Finiston in Glasgow. Um, it just opened on Monday because beer gardens can open now in Scotland. And I am joined by Paul Trainer, who is the Glasgowist. Um, hi, Paul. Hi, Rose. Do you know, I was just thinking this is kind of appropriate because I'm pretty sure the last functional uh, like pint in real life was you were there as well. Like, yeah. Just, just when all these rumours of closed downs and what was going to happen in the future was happening. We were at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society having a whiskey not a care in the world. Yeah. Which was in March. <laughs> but it, I mean, it did feel like it was not going to last as long as this. And it's, it's, very, no. it's very odd to be four months, 106 odd days in. And finally being back out, sitting in public, eating. Yeah, which is... It's, it's a simple it, pleasure yeah. life for us. <laughs> but it feels like I thought it would feel weirder than it does. It actually, I mean, despite the lack of music, it actually feels relatively normal. Yeah, and I think, like, this is, this is the first week of it, so this is probably, like, the second or third time that I've been able to have a look at something like this. And I think people probably overestimate how different it is i mean it does seem to feel a bit odd there's certain different uh, circumstances but lots of predictions about people how people are going to react at the end of the day it's just a beer garden yeah we have been able to do this before and we will be able to do it again i hope well this so this is my first time coming out of lockdown but you were at swg3 which opened up on monday they've got quite a big space was it a little bit different in terms of like temperature checks um pp or anything it was temperature checks people were making the uh you know I suppose, I suppose the main difference for that one is it's like a really huge space. So you've got your own picnic table that's that's kind of demarked. You've got a circle around yourself. So you know where your area is. It kind of feels like sitting in a, a delicious prison yard where you can still <laughs> enjoy food. But I think everyone really got a buzz out of seeing each other from a distance again. I suppose you forget that you know, you're used to kind of seeing the familiar faces when you mm-hmm. go to certain parts of town. So that was kind of good. Louis Capaldi was there as well. He seemed oh, to nice. enjoy it. Yeah, where people, that must have been weird because no one can really go up to anyone where folk like trying Yeah, so he, he, he avoided selfies, I suppose. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't really do that from a social distance. And so do you think things like this are going to continue on just as we come out of this? Like, do you see a future of lo- a lot more beer gardens in Glasgow despite all the licensing laws? Here's the thing, right? So with Glasgowist, I'm kind of giving running up updates and commentary uh, whenever anything comes up and opens. And the vast majority of people are super enthusiastic, ready to go to along to it. But then you'll get people who genuinely kind of feel like they always mention rain and stuff, but we must be able to get to a situation where we can sit outdoors and, and still be able to enjoy ourselves. I mean, once people move indoors, maybe the, the compunction to actually sit out. But we have to remember that Sitting outside is, is the safest option. Yeah, that's true. And the weather has been mentioned a lot, but we're, we're kind of used to it. I just feel there's ways and means. It and, and at this stage, after four months, I think I'd probably be happy to sit in snow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to complain about very much these days, Ross. I mean, we might. If this continues on and we need to be outside, we might come to somewhere yeah. and be like... <laughs> it's really interesting. A lot of the, the restaurant folk that I've talked to, they've said that obviously they've been sitting around for four months, right? So they, they've had a pretty much once in a career opportunity to stop, look at their business, try and work out how it works. 
how to make it work better and just try and improve on things, I suppose. And a lot of people are coming back at this and they kind of feel like they're, they're launching a restaurant for the first time, despite the fact they might have been in business for 20 years. So it's been quite positive then, the folk you've spoken to in Glasgow. Well, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly resigned to their fate and willing to get on with it. Um, I think most people feel that there's something that can be done here. And I suppose people are very encouraged by the reaction that people are, people do have a very uh, strong desire to support local businesses, I, I think, and, and do have, a, you know, like, you know, restaurant folk have been saying that once they, they, they start to open their doors and they see folk in, people are always greeting because they want, they want to give them, well, you can't give them a hug, but, you know, yeah. they're really happy to be in their own places. So oh, here's my food. Here's our food. So our food's arrived, it's covered over. Yes, please, yeah. Stick it there, yeah. Thank you. Well, that smells great. Thank you. It's like being on my holidays. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm just struck by the fact that this is the Rioja menu that we're having tonight, and that is a small unit in Finiston, and they wouldn't be able to open, they won't be able to open, I don't think, beyond, like, even if we do get people back indoors, so... Yeah, so it's a good opportunity, like this kind of thing, giving smaller restaurants an opportunity to reopen within a different outdoor space, which would be nice to see replicated elsewhere. You know, there's this, the 3 there's this, but not really heard of anything else. <laughs> Shall I stop and we'll eat? Sure. <laughs> so we've just finished our dinner, which was Ryoko Tapas. Very it was nice. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting here under the sun. And by there, the is, there is sun as well, yeah. which is Confirmed. new for for the last couple of weeks so I was going to ask you um, recently a couple of big name restaurants in Edinburgh have shut down so uh, the Tower restaurant in Castle Terrace won't be reopening after lockdown do you reckon that's something that we might see here or is it just a completely different ball game I think Glasgow is slightly more insulated because Edinburgh definitely has a much higher reliance on tourism and it's probably you know entire businesses have, have geared their whole model around the, the wave of American tourists that arrive for a certain amount of months of the year and then they just coast it out for the rest of the year. Glasgow has always been a lot more rooted into the neighbourhoods and making them work uh, first. So I think it's going to be a big challenge and it might stretch into next year before we see what the, the full picture is going to be, but I'm a little bit more a little bit more confident that people can trade their way out of the position that we find ourselves in. And do you think things like this, more things like this might pop up? I mean, in an ideal world, I think that, you know, George Square, you could utilise spaces like that. We don't really have a lot of um, riverside or canal side sort of scene yeah. food and drink. Do you reckon this could open all up or do you think they'll stay to their... I, I hope that this is the start of something. I hope that we get more progressive in terms of our use of public space. I hope that we start thinking about how we can share public space a bit better. We're very, very conservative with a small C in this city when it comes to like how we use street space. And I think Edinburgh and, you know, even Aberdeen, people talk about the weather here. Jesus, what more worse <laughs> in Aberdeen than yeah. here. But they still manage to uh, have some kind of outdoor area. But the licensing laws, though. Yes, yeah, it always comes back to that. And, you know, the, the, there's no uh, knee-jerk reaction right now, but if we can prove that there's potential, untapped potential to create jobs and create a better public realm, then I hope people will act on that and that this isn't the, the last time that we'll be sitting out on a picnic bench <laughs> in the enjoying, sunshine. enjoying tapas. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think the people were, are going to be drunk in the streets or in public and pee in places they shouldn't, whether or not they've had to take a wee pint. Well, I mean, but... that wasn't my plan for the rest of the year. <laughs> but I do take your point. I mean, it, has been known to, it has been known to happen in certain parts of the city. 
I just really have every confidence that if people do things right, then behaviour adapts and there's certain people that are going to do stuff and eat. That doesn't mean that we can't have nice things. Yeah. So hopefully long, hopefully this continues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for dinner. No one was paying. <laughs> now from Spanish Tapas to Pub Club, I spoke to Michael Woods, owner of two bars in Glasgow, about his lockdown experiences. From his takeaway pints being banned by Glasgow Council to now opening indoors, he shares that the pub scene is far from what it used to be, which included people dancing on tables, but he's glad to be back with his customers again. You've been, so you've opened both beer gardens in St Luke's and the Dam from yes. July the 6th, yeah. Um, but before that you were doing takeaway pints. How did you find that? Ah, you know, that worked really well, wasn't it? Um, I think as well, there was only a few places in China where actually doing the takeaway pint. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody was coming around and, and, and welcoming it, you know, so everybody was well behaved, um, coming up and getting a pint, being very respectable, so aye. Until the council decided to stop it. <laughs> yeah, the council decided to stop it, which was very unfortunate. But um, I think it's a bit crazy. Been going by a a four a, a case of beer, glass bottles of beer in the corner for a pound a bottle, more or less. You know, which is more dangerous than having a plastic pint at a reasonable price. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's crazy. So currently for your beer gardens, what measures um, have you got in place for like the social distancing and stuff? Yeah, so at the moment we're doing the, the two metre rule, obviously, through the government guidelines. We're doing a one-way system as you come into the bath, use the toilets, and all customers wearing masks as they come in to go to the toilet, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, our staff will all get their PPE, you know, their visors and their, their masks as well if they, if they want to wear them, you know. So, so I'm keeping everybody two metres apart, basically. So, waving down all the tables every every time somebody leaves, basically. And somebody in the toilet full time cleaning the toilets. So, somebody's used them, basically. Yeah. So, all the good measures. And um, how, how have you found it and how have customers kind of um, been towards it all? Customers have been really good with it, actually. I mean, I've noticed a lot of bars that's kind of run about. I've not been adhering to the, the same rules as what we're doing. And the customers are just kind of going with what they're doing. So, because we've actually set up properly and done the two metre rule, the customers are being really respectable in that as well. Because um, they've all been jumped to our tables, talking to their pals. They've been, they've been actually been really responsible, which is good. Yeah. Because I think the long run, if, if they're not responsible, it could be a, a bigger effect in the the bigger picture basically if we get another um, another blast of this COVID-19 yeah so a second wave kind of thing so I think most people have no one the second wave so aye they've been quite different that's good so as of the 15th of July restaurants and pubs are going to be able to open indoors yeah what preparations have you got for that so again that's down to the the one metre rule the, the, the 15 comes in so basically all the same kind of rules apply for outside our staff are, are, are well well PP'd up so it's up with the same one way system uh, somebody had to clean the toilets right away uh, and just really talking to our customers when they came in and and giving them the kind of the rules and, and how it really work and talk to each other and talk to us if, if we feel so any any issues or any problems you know they're saying that um, when pubs open, the whole experience will change in terms of there's to be no standing at the bar, there's to be yep. screens it's between seating areas, reduced background music, amongst other things. That's right. How do you think customers are going to like respond to that? 
Um, I mean, I think they'll just fall into it. I mean, people are desperate to get back into socialising to some extent. You're not going to get the same kind of atmosphere as, as what you would in a normal Friday night in money or bars, you know, where you can't move or shoulder to shoulder, they're dancing on the tables. <laughs> so that's it's just not going to happen for a long time. So it'll be a change, you know, there'll be a change in, in people's attitudes coming out. So it'll not be like a big Friday night again, like we used to have, but I mean, it'll be tables are two and four, just more kind of civilised to an extent, I would say. Yeah. So I guess which they say the crystals are acting things when they come in, but they say we're going to have some light music in here, and um, aye, we'll take it as it comes, I think, when it comes to that. And are you still going to be offering um, food takeaway? I know you were doing that from the dam, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, we'll be doing that, uh, food takeaway, it's actually working really well, and uh, our customers are absolutely loving our food, so... I wouldn't like to disappoint anybody that's in the house and the fuels are comfortable still at the moment that it can't come out. So, because a lot of people are still shielding and I know we've had uh, some staff that have been concerned that have come in and working and dealing with, dealing with customers because of the, the situation. But, um, aye, so we'll definitely, definitely just to keep our takeaway stuff to keep everybody, everybody pleased at home. And also the government has reduced VAT on food and drink, but it doesn't extend mm-hmm. to alcohol. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. So that's probably going to have a big effect on pubs that don't serve food. Yeah. And there's been pushback from the Scottish Wholesale Association. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that would affect your business? I mean, you do serve food, so it's probably not going to be... It's not going to be massive, but as you said, we do sell food, so food uh, and soft drinks. So that'll all help us out there and things like that and help the customer out there, you know. So, um, yeah, but alcohol thing, I'm... I'm, I'm they should have included that, I would think, because there's a lot, as you say, clubs are just uh, wet-led, and uh, aye, it's, it's a wee bit unfair in them, basically. But again, the government probably, I don't know if they're going to change their mind at another point, but I doubt it very much. Yeah, well, it's good. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a, an ongoing guessing game. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. You could have one week changes for the next, so... So yes, so as of tomorrow, you're going to be open. What's the first? What's the thing you're looking forward to most? Do you think about actually having folk inside? Oh, just hearing people in the pub, basically hearing people laugh, joke, them talk to my customers, basically. You know, you really miss actually interacting with them. I mean, it's been good to see them all outside, and I give it. I love your customers inside, seeing uh, seeing how good your bar is, and and having the the atmosphere of, of what you create, basically. So I'm really excited to see that. It's seen people's reaction coming back at you know, and, and getting them they, they feel comfortable again basically. Uh, I think it's gonna be a nice a nice feeling, you know. So I definitely look forward to that. Yeah. Oh actually are you guys doing bookings? Like do customers have to book first? Yeah, we're doing bookings, uh, we're doing two or slots bookings, but uh, we're still saving some tables for walk ins, but uh obviously we need to take every details for tracing, so the main contact on the table will be taken, you know, so um, aye, that's how that one works. And are you guys, are you basically just writing that down and like keeping it for a bit and then chucking it? Or are you doing like an app based thing? Are we, um, we're going to do the app based thing. I think because Amsterdam, that's a bit smaller. I don't think, I mean, the customers are sort of are, 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 uh, staffs or PT'd up. So I think they're pretty easy. We still want that wee personal touch in here. Yeah. I mean, as long as uh, the customers are happy with that and they feel comfortable. I would like the staff to get up and start talking to them, basically, telling them that I'm in your arm, just looking at the app, just take that back, you know. So, mm-hmm. 
I don't want you to lose a personal touch to a certain extent, you know. Um, and the customer details as well, is that going to be just like as they arrive, just kind of yeah. write it down, yeah? Yeah, well, when people phone up, also we take the main, the main customer's details and, and their number and their address and email, basically. So if there's any issues, we get contact on that tool table. Yeah. Uh, if we get a walk in, it'll be the, the same issue. Okay. So we'll take other details there. So nice, spot on. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. Well, um, good luck with it all, and I'll hopefully see you soon. I'll definitely, definitely see you soon. Uh, I can do it for a beer shortly. Well, sounds good. I'll need to pop in soon, have a drink, and say hello. Well, definitely. 100%. <laughs> I just want you to come in. It's, um, no, I'll see you at a cute table. <laughs> plenty of shots. <laughs> oh, God, shots. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the dog as well. Uh, definitely. That'd be good. Definitely. Definitely be a good dog. We'll get a dog of the week. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That needs to be Archie at some point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Great. Thank you very much. No problem. I'll talk to you soon. Speak okay. to you later. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nick Nairn is back in the kitchen sharing his cooking tip. This time, it's how to make a well-baked loaf of bread, which must smell amazing. Okay, so to make bread, um, you need bread flour, um, you need salt, and you need a little bit of fat, and you need some water. Yeast, obviously. So... You don't need a machine. The more water you've got, the better the bread's going to be, but more difficult it'll be to, to knead. They sift the flour, make a well in the centre, heat the water up to 40 degrees centigrade, add some salt, some sugar, your yeast, either dried or fresh. Uh, I add a splash of oil and then pour that into the, the centre. I try and get hydration, a ratio of flour to water of 70%. Kilo of flour, 700 grams of water, 700 mils of water, and then bring it together and knead it for about six or seven minutes. Then leave it to prove for about an hour, hour and a half at room temperature, or prove it overnight, even better, prove it overnight in the fridge. Okay. And then form it into a uh, uh, knock it back. Um, uh, you can get away with knocking it back. Knock it back, form it into either a tin or into a round. Um, and pour it in the oven is at the right temperature, it's quite hot. I like to get my loaves onto a hot baking tray, so put the baking tray and have it preheated in the oven. And it depends on the size of the loaf, how long you cook them, depends whether they're in tins or on their own. I would say if you're going to learn how to make bread, you need to watch some YouTube videos because it's, 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 it's all about technique. Thanks, Nick. Bread making was popular past time during lockdown and now that yeast is actually back on the shelves, we can all give it a go. Finally, here's my lockdown food and drink of choice, which you can try at home. Hello and welcome back to my kitchen in Glasgow for a kind of semi-lockdown cuisine special. This week, restaurants and pubs inside will be reopening and pub beer gardens have been open since the 6th. So there's actually been some trips out and about, um, as you'll have heard, with Paul and I at Cranside Kitchen. So kind of keeping to home where possible, um, which is more often than not. So because of that, I am still enjoying the takeaways that restaurants are offering. One of these was from Merenda, hope I'm saying that right, in Edinburgh. They were doing a delivery pretty much from the very start of lockdown, a delivery service. And it was of normal sized portions, although they're normally a small plates restaurant. So last week they went back to that kind of ethos and it was a taste of Barcelona menu. So it was like tapas style to be delivered but luckily I managed to meet Campbell the chef and owner in South Queensbury because I was in Fife visiting my family for the first time and uh, we had a, a quick meet up at South Queensbury I picked up the food and brought it back to Glasgow because obviously that we wouldn't normally go this far 
Um, and it was brilliant. It was very easy. His instructions were um, the thing that you cook the longest right the way down to the thing you didn't need to cook at all. Um, just stick the oven on, cook them for like, the longest was 20 minutes and it was um, eight courses and we got some sangria cava so it was a little bit different. Um, lovely and refreshing, really nice meal. Great way to end the weekend. I also did a live cook-along with Chef Nico Simone um, who's got the Six by Nico restaurants. So to celebrate them opening, um, they're opening on the 17th in Edinburgh and Glasgow. He did a live cook-along of one of the dishes from the Chippy 2 menu and it was the steak pie. And again, pretty easy, um, nice to sort of see and speak to him beforehand and um, cooked a, a nice dish at home. Drinks wise, I am looking forward to another little wine tasting with Diana Thompson from Wine Event Scotland. I've also got a gin tasting coming up with the Old Curiosity Distillery in Edinburgh. They're launching a gin with Aldi, so that'll be quite interesting. We're doing a Zoom, a Zoom chat and a Zoom distillery tour. Um, anyone who's been listening to Scran for a while will know that Hamish Martin, the owner of the Old Curiosity Distillery in the Secret Herb Garden, was one of my first guests. Really interesting guy. Really good chat, so if you want to listen back to that, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm going to just make a quick whiskey highball. The Edinburgh Film Festival went online this year, I think it was maybe last week, and Johnny Walker at the sponsors, so I have some Johnny Walker here because why not? Um, anyone that's been kind of keeping an up with the Scotsman Food and Drink news will know that as of next year, Johnny Walker will look very different because they are going to package it up in a plastic-free bottle made from paper, so it's pulp, so it's completely um, green, eco. It looks totally different, it looks quite cool, so if anyone wants to find out more about that, it's on the website and it was in the paper this week as well. So what I'm going to make is a Johnny Walker highball with Bonacord ginger beer, um, because it's supposed to be summer, the garnish is going to be a nectarine, because I got some lovely nectarines from my Lock of War veg box this week. So, as usual, we're just going to need some ice. And a glass. So highball can be quite a long glass, but I'm going for a short glass because they look the nicest in this household. So, short Johnny Walker. And it's Bonacord ginger beer. 100% naturally sweetened. So Bon Accord were doing drinks deliveries. I'm sure that they probably still are. They're based in Edinburgh, so it's good to support a local business. And just pour that in. And I just pop in the garnish of the nectarine. And give it a stir. And there you go. Cheers. Thanks again to my guests, Stevie McLaughlin, Paul Trainer, Michael Woods and Nick Nairn. And of course, thanks to you for listening to this episode of Scran. I'll be back on the 31st of July. Until then, please rate and review us. I'd be keen to hear what you think of the podcast and remember to follow me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine. Like any foodie, a five-star review is what we're after, so please get rating Scran. This is a laudable production and you can get Scran wherever you download your podcasts. But for interactive content, including guest pictures and other related links, download the Entail app, which is available on Android and Apple. This episode was presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morvan McIntyre. <laughs>